The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside still waters. Thank you for joining Beside Still Waters podcast with Christian Javois. Beside Still Waters is the moment in our day when we seek stillness in God's presence, guidance from the Word of God, and grace to live by faith. This is the moment when we view horizontal living from the divine perspective. For the eyes of Jehovah run to and fro through the whole earth to show himself strong in the behalf of those whose heart is perfect toward him. Now here's today's message. We hope it will be a blessing. Welcome to Beside Still Waters. Glad you could join me for our episode concerning a man who chose loss. If you recall, we looked at the life of Joshua as the example of a man who chose life, and we took a retrospective look at his life from the beginnings from which he was first mentioned, and uh, we walked through some milestones that ultimately led him uh, into the role of being the next leader of the nation of Israel. Now we come to a man by the name of Achan. And uh, this man chose loss. He was part of the army that would be overtaking the city of Jericho. And uh, they were giving, given specific instructions. And their instructions were to keep themselves from everything that had the curse of judgment upon it. So essentially, uh, uh, certain mandates were given by Jehovah and uh, they needed to guard themselves against taking anything from the city because the city was reserved for judgment. And uh, as a result of it, all that is in it belonged to Jehovah. However, those things that belonged to Jehovah were assigned to judgment. And therefore, they were warned specifically to keep themselves from everything unless or as a result, if they failed to follow this mandate, they would make themselves also an accursed thing. They would bring themselves under divine justice, divine judgment, and by extension, also subject the nation of Israel to the same judgment. So it it was a pretty serious affair that they would be um, uh, faced with were they to disregard the word or the warning of God through the mouth of Joshua. So having heard this, the essence of what was told is simply this. Jericho is under judgment. And if you take anything out of the city, you will contaminate yourself and that judgment will be transferred to you. And when you come back to the camp, that judgment will be transferred from you and be upon the entire camp, the nation of Israel. So this was a tremendous responsibility. And uh, after conquering Jericho, the next city that they were to uh, conquer was Ai. And it was a rather small city. Now, the scripture said that the children of Israel 
committed unfaithfulness in that which had been brought under curse. Achan, the son of Carmi, uh, the son of Zerah of the tribe of Judah, took the accursed thing. And listen to this. And the anger of Jehovah was kindled against the nation or the children of Israel. So it just took one man to bring himself under curse. And as a result, this one man's decision would affect the entire nation. And uh, as a result of this, when they uh, decided to go against the uh, city of Ai, they decided, well, we would only need about 3,000 men. Now, what they had not realized is that Jehovah was not with them. And so they went against the nation, uh, the uh, city of Ai, and they were chased and they lost some soldiers. And when Joshua saw this, he rent his garments. He was, if you will, appalled and bewildered that they actually lost a battle. And the scripture says that Joshua fell to the earth upon his face before the ark of Jehovah until evening. He and the elders of Israel, and they threw dust upon their heads. So he was totally unprepared for loss. In fact, he believed the promises that he had been given uh, when he took over the leadership, and he was, of course, as you know, uh, he, his mandate was to meditate on the scriptures, on the law, day and night, and he would have good success and so forth and so on. But now he's faced with loss, and he cannot explain or understand how Israel was made to run from her enemies. And so now... It, it, we're learning something about the nature of God. His word has been brought to pass. Truth cannot be altered. And divine displeasure is kindled. And the result is they experienced defeat. They experienced defeat. Now, let's take a look at uh, the anatomy, if you will, of defeat. What does defeat look like? Well, or let, let, me, let me rephrase that. Let's look at the anatomy of rebellion. Now, that's a pretty heavy word. Folks are thinking, well, you know, rebellion. He just took one thing. And everyone has to suffer because of one man's actions? Well, yes. In this particular case, because they were warned. In fact, the, 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 the moral of the lesson, the moral of this circumstance is this. You cannot, a human being, a person, a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ, cannot defy the word of God and yet prosper. We are told in uh, Deuteronomy uh, 29 and about verse 18, when the nation was being prepared, when they were, they were giving, given warnings and blessings and uh, uh, various responsibilities before they entered into the land, one of the things that Moses said to them, 
okay? And he, he gave warning that after hearing all of the blessings and cursings and the responsibilities that were placed upon the people before they went into the land, he warned them lest there should be some within the nation that would think to himself or herself, if my heart turns from Jehovah today and I decide to serve the gods of these nations, you know, I might still be blessed. I might still be blessed. And, and listen to what uh, Moses said to such a person who would be thinking like this. Now, I want you to stay with me. He said that for this person, what would be born in their life is a root that bears gall and wormwood. Uh, this, you'll, you'll find this phrase, gall and wormwood, sprinkled throughout the scriptures. Essentially, gall was a substance that was derived from the plant called wormwood. And it was a bitter substance, but it would be used as uh, a painkiller. And if you recall, in the Gospel of Matthew, for example, in Matthew 27, they gave, they attempted to give the Lord Jesus, during the time that he was being crucified, wine mixed with gall. And this would dull the sense of pain. And of course, when he knew what they were doing, when he tasted of it, he would not receive it, but he bore the agonies necessary to release uh, a, a sinner from the the judgment that would be upon that uh, repentant sinner or all sinners, if you will. Okay, he took the punishment. He became the divinely sent substitute, and he would not uh, allow the pain and the suffering to be minimized in any way. He bore it to the end. But the point here is that uh, Moses is referring to that person who thinks in their heart that they're going to hear the words of the curses that were pronounced on the man who would go after idols and think within himself, I'm still going to be blessed. I'm going to have peace. And it is that thinking, that way of thinking that becomes the anatomy of rebellion. Someone choosing loss has concluded to themselves, I can go against the warnings of the scripture and still be blessed and still have peace. And Moses said, what is occurring in your life is a root of gall and wormwood. Something is being born into your life that ultimately will have severe, uh, a severe and a bitter end for you. This moral defect of thinking I can defy God and still be blessed is the very core of rebellion against God, which is the very basis for choosing loss. 
And I want to repeat that because it bears repeating. One has to be so careful. When a person thinks within himself that I can hear the words of judgment, of warning, of a curse against the man who, having committed himself to walk with God, to be a devotee, a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ, and think within himself that I am going to live my life without the constraints of my faith, without the constraints of this relationship with God. And even though I make that decision, which is comparable to causing a root of gall and bitterness to spring up into my life, I am still going to be blessed. I am still going to have peace. And it is that thinking, that clear, unadulterated, moral defect in our thought process that will result in a bitter end. And so when we look at Achan in Joshua chapter 7, we are told that Achan took of the thing that was devoted to destruction. What he in essence said to himself is, you know, I think I could take it and I might just get away with it. And it's just that simple. I might get, it's just a simple act. He took it. Okay, we find that in verse 1. He took the thing. Now, (laughs) there are some very important lessons that we must take away. One of the lessons is we cannot assume that if we are looking at our lives from the horizontal view, meaning from man's perspective, I'm going to be okay. It's going to be okay with me. I can believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, but I can live my life the way I want to live my life. And I I have the flexibility of, of not taking heed to the word of God. Well, that's perfectly fine. And if that person thinks it's just that simple and I'm still going to be blessed, you have now caused a root to spring forth into your life. Not only that, but the part that he could not see was that the anger of Jehovah was kindled. The anger of Jehovah was kindled. That is the vertical view. We often see the horizontal view From man's perspective, we look around at a flat surface of our lives and say, it'll be all right, because it appears that other people have done the same thing, and it's okay with them, so it's going to be okay with me. But the part we cannot see is that having covenanted ourselves to walk with God, we have to factor his response into the equation. And so from a human uh, assessment, they said, well, let's just take maybe two or 3,000 men and go against AI. 
That's man's view. The result was the men of Ai defeated them. And look at what God's view is. In fact, if you were to sort of just go to verse 10 of chapter 7, the scripture says that Jehovah said to Joshua, Get up! Why are you lying upon your face? Israel has sinned. Now, this is where perhaps you look at the circumstance and you say, well, it's not fair. Achan was the only one that sinned. But remember, the word of God was, if a man decides to take of the accursed thing, he makes himself a curse and he makes the nation a curse. They were told this. And what we are learning is that the word of God, the mandates of Jehovah are immutable. They cannot be changed. They cannot be altered once stated. Once the word of God goes forth, it cannot change. It will accomplish, we are told, what it was set out to do. And so Jehovah tells him, get up. The nation has sinned. Okay? And then if you go down to verse 12, we are told, (laughs) in fact, I'll read it for you, that the children of Israel shall not be able to stand before their enemies. They shall turn their backs before their enemies, for they have made themselves accursed. And Jehovah goes on to say, I will no more be with you except you destroy the accursed thing from your midst. Now, my friends, I want you to consider this. Remember that the presence of God was with the nation In the cloud, the pillar of cloud by day, pillar of fire by night, during the time of Moses, and then when the transition was made to Israel, uh, to Joshua, it now became present in the Ark of the Covenant, which the priests bore on their shoulders. So God was in the midst of Israel, but God's grace was no longer with Israel. And this is the second important fact that you need to consider when you think, I have chosen loss. Now, people don't go into the circumstance thinking, I've chosen loss. But when a man decides, when a person decides to defy the known mandates within the scriptures concerning a life of holiness, a life of fellowship with God, a life walked with God beside still waters, if you will, God's presence is with us in his spirit indwelling us. But his grace, the evidencing of his presence and power in our lives, will not be evident. And so Israel went into battle against a small town that they should have conquered. But they were put to flight. And the God of heaven and earth, the immutable, the invisible, the omnipotent one, says, I will no longer be with you except you destroy the accursed thing. You will turn your backs before your enemies. Why? Because you've made yourself accursed. You've brought yourself under a curse. My grace is not made available 
to you. And so the repair, the way to fix this is to destroy the very thing that was forbidden from your midst. Now, this has very practical applications. Every one of us needs the grace of God for Christian living. We need the grace of God when enduring trial. We need the grace of God when blessing comes so that we will be able to appropriately receive it and let it not turn our hearts away from God. We need the grace of God to live and to love our brothers and sisters. We need the grace of God to just have good relations with men across the board of different persuasions, people that we work with. We need the grace of God. But if I've decided to take a path and live in such a manner that is contrary to the mind and will of God for my life and which hinders the grace of God in my life, then I will not know the presence of God until I've addressed the matter that's in my life that brings displeasure, that displeases God. And so he says in verse 12 of chapter 7, destroy the forbidden thing from your midst. Take it away. Remove it. Here's the third thing we learn about God. God is holy. God is holy. We are told in Peter's writings, be holy for I am holy. And Peter goes on to say, if you invoke, if you call upon God who is holy, then pass the time of your sojourn on earth in fear, in reverence, recognizing that God who has called you is holy and you and I also are holy and we are indwelt by his Holy Spirit. And so we cannot choose the path of loss and think that we will be blessed. He says, you will not be able to stand. You will not succeed unless you remove the forbidden thing. So essentially, blessing is pending. I'd like to address something that is often overlooked. From our human assessment, just as Israel, they looked at Ai, they thought two to 3,000 men, that's all we need. The men of Ai put them to flight. God's assessment is that Israel has sinned. But when we boil it down, it was really one man that took one thing. It was just one man, Achan. And here is why, or let me rephrase it. Here is the error in our perspective. You see, when we, when we are unfaithful, when we have decided to live a life that is contrary to our calling, you, in essence, have to multiply it by five. And, and I say multiply the error by five because uh, let's take a look at what Jehovah said to Joshua concerning what Achan did. Okay? And you will find this at around the 11th verse. And he says this, Get up from off your face. Israel sinned. So the first thing he, Jehovah says is, Israel missed 
my divine objective for them. When the Bible says that all sinned and come short of the glory of God, God has a target, a mark, a high calling for the devotee of the Lord Jesus Christ. And when by my choices, by my thoughts or words, I have gone the way, uh, a path, I've chosen a path that does not bring glory to God, I miss the mark that God intended for me. I sinned. It's, it's an archery term. It's a term used in archery. When you miss the bullseye, it's called a sin. <laughs> and essentially, we miss the mark that God has called and has placed on our lives. It gets better. Or really, it gets worse. He says, Israel sinned and they have transgressed my covenant. Now, to transgress means to go beyond what the agreement was, to go beyond the line, to go further than you were allowed to go. And these people, Israel, the nation, has entered, they have entered into a covenant with God. And he said, you transgressed my covenant. You went beyond the mandates of the agreement that you made with me. Well, guess what? When a person takes the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior, you've entered, entered into a covenant to love the Lord with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, to live a life that's separated, to live a life that's pleasing to God. And when a person chooses the way of loss, they've decided, I'm going to live my life my way without those constraints. Well, guess what? Having made that decision, that's a transgression, a going beyond the mark of the agreement that you made with God. But it gets worse. <laughs> he says that not only did they transgress my covenant, but they have taken the accursed thing. Okay? In other words, the thing that was banned, the restriction that was placed, they defied it and they still went and participated, took that, that thing that was banned. And then he, uh, Jehovah goes on to say, not only did they do that, but they stole, okay? There's avarice involved. So not only are you taking it, but the intention is, I, by subtlety, am bringing, taking something that belongs to another to myself, so Achan knew these things are devoted to destruction. They belong to Jehovah, but I want it and I'm going to take it. And then lastly, which I thought was rather interesting, he said, they dissembled. They deceived. They pretended that all was well. And so what you are looking at is the divine perspective on rebellion. It's not just the act. But when I, as a devotee of the Lord Jesus Christ, decide that I'm going to perform an act that I know in my heart is contrary to the mind and will of God, number one, I missed God's mark and calling for me. Number two, I've gone beyond the constraints of the covenant I've entered into, the love relationship that I've entered into. Number three, I took what, what, what had on it a ban, a restriction placed, and I simply removed the restriction and, if you will, just took it because I could. Number four, I'm stealing from God. 
I'm taking something that belongs to God and using it for my own benefit and pleasure. And lastly, I'm pretending that having done all of this, it's, I'm going to be blessed anyway, that all will be well. Not realizing that the grace of God has been removed. He is not going to help me. He is with me, but I will not have the pleasure and experience of his presence and I will not know his grace to overcome in my Christian walk. So, my friend, what is it that's needed? If I decide that the presence of God is the most important commodity in my life, if receiving answers to prayer is the highest uh, good, the greatest benefit to me that God would bend his ear to me, to you, because I'm seeking to do the things that please him, if that is the most important uh, experience for me, then Jehovah said to Joshua, the way to repair it is to remove the accursed thing from the midst. Take it away. Why? Because God is holy. God is holy. And since we are called of him, we are a holy, a set-apart people for his pleasure and for the blessing of those around us. Just in closing, uh, just this, this one thought. When the Lord Jesus, prior to his crucifixion, and he was giving his last uh, final words of teaching and encouragement to the disciples, he says this to them. He says, in that day, you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. And here's what he says. He that has my commandments and keeps them, he it is that loves me. And he that loves me shall be loved of my Father. And here is the sacred promise, the covenant, the agreement. And I will love him and will manifest myself to him. So the Lord Jesus commits the Godhead to give you and to give me the experience of his holy presence in my life, his grace, if I do what pleases him. He said, if you keep my commandments, if you love me, keep my commandments. When we look at the life of Achan, a man who chose loss, he did not keep the commandment. But if you read the rest of the narrative, he lost his life and those within his household because they were all brought under a curse. And he needed and had to present the very things that he stole. He presented them to Joshua. And the sentence was lost, lost to him, lost to his, his belongings, lost to his livestock, 
lost to his family. And so, my friend, I appeal to you today. We all are faced with a decision of life or loss. And we cannot think within our hearts that we will do as we please, having entered into a covenant with the God of heaven and earth, and to believe that as I live my life as I please, I will be blessed. No, it will never happen because the word of God has gone forth. The Lord Jesus simply says it plainly. If you love me, keep my commandments. And he says, I will love you. (laughs) Okay? I will love you and my father will love you. And I will manifest myself to you. And so if the greatest privilege for the devotee of our Lord Jesus Christ, for the disciple who walks with God, who meets God beside still waters, if the most important experience in your life is to know the presence and grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, then I urge you and appeal to you Choose life, not loss. And you have the assurance from the Lord Jesus Christ himself. I will manifest myself to you. Oh, my friend, we are endeavoring to meet God beside still waters. Let the desire of your heart and mind be that I would know the presence of God in my life as the, the, the evidenced grace of God upon me, that my life would be a blessing to others. Why? Not because I'm anything of myself, but because of the grace of God and the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ, that the highest good is that I am walking with God day by day Beside Still Waters Thank you for joining Beside Still Waters podcast with Christian Javois Beside Still Waters is the quiet moment in the stillness of God's presence to receive guidance, light and grace to live by faith I hope you've been helped and encouraged to press on living for the glory of God It has been a pleasure and a privilege to connect with you on this podcast To stay connected please follow Christian Javois on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Thanks for tuning in, and we will see you on the next podcast of Beside Still Waters.